Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Serenity Caldwell, and of course, I am joined by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm sitting in Renee Ritchie's uh, fancy podcast studio right now, Ooh. so I feel I feel extra fancy. It's a nice looking room. He's got the lights and the TV and the rocks. Oh. It's very, very fancy. I'm I'm pretty sure just this room is is like worth more than my life. So <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying the ambiance. There you go. It's a good place for answering questions. Well, it's uh, you know it's July now, so you got to go north to keep cool. Uh, I respect your it's true your decision there. <laughs> Thankfully, we're sitting in places with air conditioning so that we can answer your questions. And <laughs> the first question slash topic is a is a real doozy, Stephen. It's uh, something we've talked about on the show before. And I'm, I'm, what am I playing? Twenty questions for this. This is a it's a color of gray. No, uh, <laughs> it's the MacBook and MacBook Pro keyboard repair program. Yeah, uh, Apple Apple has launched one. I don't want to say finally, although I know people feel that way. Uh, Apple has launched a repair program for their MacBook and MacBook Pro keyboards for the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, we've, we've talked a little bit about sticking keys and problematic keys, letters and characters randomly repeating or not appearing at all. Uh, and Apple is now offering, what is it exactly, a full, a full replacement, a partial replacement? Yeah, so it depends on the severity of the problem. They say that some things can be repaired by replacing an individual key. So I had a listener uh, reach in, reach uh, on Twitter and say, hey, you know, my space bar basically came off. And I took it to the store. They had a new one. They put it on. I'm good to go. Uh, so just I think it depends on the severity. If, if you need something more, something is, is messed up with the subframe, you're going to get a top case and keyboard. Uh, I believe the battery is part of that as well. So it's pretty it's pretty major surgery because with these unibody machines, everything's built in, up into the top case. So if you turn the computer over, the bottom is just a thin sheet of aluminum and everything else is sort of built into that structure. So you're probably looking at a trip to the repair depot, depending on what part of the world you live in. You're going to be without a few days, but uh, you'll get it back and you should be uh, you should be good to go. And what's what's great about this and, and why kind of what makes a repair program special is that it is applicable regardless of your Apple Care warranty status. So if you bought a MacBook in 2016 and you did not buy Apple Care and now it's out of warranty, it's like you have a warranty for this issue. And you actually have it for 4 years from the date of purchase and not just 3 like regular Apple Care, which is is pretty great. You know, Apple Care is expensive on these machines, not everybody can afford it. Sometimes you I've done this, right? Like, oh, I'll get it later in the year and, and you get it, sometimes you forget and uh I think it's a good faith effort on Apple's part. Uh, another nice part of this is if you have had this repair done and you paid for it, which was several hundred dollars, depending on what you needed, uh, you can get in touch with Apple and you can uh, start a refund process for that charge, which I think is great. They do that on other repair programs. And that's one of my favorite things about this is that uh, even though Apple just started this last week if you, or a couple of weeks ago, if you dealt with this a couple of months ago, Apple doesn't feel like you should be penalized for that, and they're going to make it right for you uh, sort of in arrears. And I think that's really great. Yeah, I completely agree. I, it's interesting, right, because I've run into this bug. Uh, have you, Stephen, do, do you have a new MacBook? I, I can't even remember. I know you have an iMac Pro. I have an iMac <laughs> Pro. So I had a 2016 MacBook Pro, and I had this issue with it. 
and I repaired it and then sold it to a friend. And I'm currently using, when I use a laptop, which is rare, a 15-inch mid-2015 MacBook Pro. So the old style with all the ports. That fits my needs better because mm-hmm. when I travel, I do audio and video and I like ports. Uh, so I don't have one of these machines right now. Ports are nice. Um, I'm kind of going to hold out and see what they do in 2018. But um, I, I will say this. If this laptop died today, I would feel way better about buying a 2017 knowing that this uh, repair program is in place. Because you know, I, clearly this doesn't happen to probably even the majority of machines. But certainly it's enough, whatever that number is, which we'll never know, for Apple to do mm-hmm. this. And I think the MacBook Pro in particular is a really important computer. We've talked about this. It is kind of the default laptop or kind of the default computer even the default for Mac. For many people. For so yeah. many people. I mean, pr- not just like people like us who are like professionals who make our living on the Mac, but even if you go like going to college, you may get that entry MacBook Pro. Those because the MacBook is so weird with its one port. Like there's a lot of people have these now. And I think it's a really important machine. Those customers are important customers. And so Apple's going to do what they, need, what they can do to make this right. I don't expect this to be, as someone emailed me, like, is it going to be like the iPhone battery thing where you have to wait for a battery to come in? Like, I don't see this being a mad rush on the Apple stores. Like, I don't think, you know. No. I actually went to my local Apple store the week after they announced the battery exchange program, and it was chaos. Like, uh, <laughs> and the every, it was just really busy, and everyone was there for that. This is not going to be like that. I think if, if you have this problem or if you run into this problem in the future, I would expect that Apple can get you serviced pretty quickly. And uh, you'll be up and running again. Yeah. I mean, think about the percentage of people who own Macs versus people who own older iPhones. Oh, yeah. And then multiple, you know, divide that by the percentage of people who have an issue with the keyboard currently. Uh, it's funny to me because, you know, I, you know, I kept my ear open for a while when this was happening and when I ran into it and others ran into it. Um, and the general party line seemed to be, well, not enough people are really having issues with this. But I feel like the people of the people who had issues, it was like every single one of us is either like in tech journalism or <laughs> friends with somebody in tech. Jur- yeah. And I'm not sure if it's just because we are more apt and prone to complain about it. Uh, we notice it because we write a lot on our computers. Maybe that's because we're just wearing out like certain, certain like, I don't know, we're just, dust proof liners. We're just eat, liners. eating sandwiches <laughs> over our laptops all day. Oh my God. Well, I don't, yeah, but I mean, it's clear, like all of that to say, even if it's a large minority or a small minority of people who are having this issue, it was still an issue. And I'm like, I'm really glad that Apple kind of recognized and said, all right, you know what, in, in trying to make our keyboards super thin and have great key travel, like feel like they have great key travel, but also like make the keys non-existent, uh, we, we may have goofed up in some circumstances. And I really, I'm happy to hear them just offering this program. Cause it's, this is the thing. It's like in the long run, it's probably going to cost them what under a hundred grand maybe to, to take care of everybody who has this problem, maybe a little bit more, but like I'm guessing in, in the grand scheme of Apple finances, I feel like this is kind of a drop in the bucket Mm. Uh, and the goodwill it gets them. I feel like far outweighs the negativity that they would otherwise have of people freaking out about paying six, seven thousand, six, $700 for a top case because uh, a, a dust moat got under their Z key. You know, I'm like, I've been, I've been basically struggling and wrestling with like a broken command option and shift key on my left side. Oh gosh. So yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting couple months 
And I, you know, I've, I've mostly managed to make it work. It, it went from working like 25% of the time to 75% of the time, which is enough of a variable. It's like the, uh, the convenience factor, right? Where it's like, well, how often does it have to fail before I drag it to the Apple store in protest? Right. And be, with, uh, and be and, without it. And... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. That, that, I think that's so, uh, a fair way to go about it. And it does mean my, like, I think you said it really well. I, th- I think the volume around this issue has probably been louder than the, the size of the actual issue, but the keyboard is such a fundamental part of what makes the Mac, the Mac, you know, and all this conversation about, iOS and the Mac and what the differences and they're coming together like uh, the the Mac is still the Mac because of the form factor even Apple has said that and so something mm-hmm. as as crucial to that form factor is the keyboard when it goes bad like it has you know this time around then uh then people uh people take note you know um we should say we didn't I think we sort of skipped over this so this is for the uh for any one port MacBook so that little 12 inch MacBook with one port any generation of it and then any Thunderbolt 3 MacBook Pro, so 2016 and 2017. That MacBook showed up, what, in 2015, I think, for the first time. So it lasts mm-hmm. several years of machines. So there are definitely these machines out there that are out of warranty. And to kind of lump them back in uh, is good. So if you have one of these systems and you're having issues, uh, get in touch with Apple, go to your store, and uh, I think they'll be able to get you taken care of, and you'll be typing away again in the future. Here's hoping. Uh, so uh, we got a bunch more to talk about, but I want to tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Query is brought to you by Vast Conference. We've all been here. Conference calls are frustrating. Sometimes people can't hear you. Sometimes you can't hear them. I think we've all been in meetings where it's like you just struggle with the thing for 20 minutes and then give up and just do something else. Vast Conference is here to take all that pain away. They offer fast, easy, and unlimited conference call services so you can have your best ever conference call. And with the integration of HD audio to web meetings, attendees can now join a conference call from their laptop's integrated mic and speaker. So there's no software or hardware required like some other systems. Participants can join a call from almost anywhere, both home and abroad. So if you want to catch up with a client poolside in Fiji, uh, you can, no problem. But more importantly, it allows you to stay productive from virtually anywhere in the world. As someone who works on the internet as a free agent, this is super valuable. Head to conferencecalling.com slash trial30 to start a 30-day free trial so you can try it for yourself. Or call one of Vast's sales reps and tell them you heard about it on Query. It's time to host conference calls you can actually hear. Our thanks to Vast Conference for their support of this show and Relay FM. So our second topic is a new, I think it's pretty new, a new app for iOS and Mac called Agenda. And it's this note-taking app. I see lots of people talking about it. Uh, you got asked about it specifically because you're using it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to learning about it. I have it here on my Mac, but I haven't really explored it much yet. Yeah. Um, so Agenda is interesting uh, in that I should preface by A, I am usually, I'm a pretty bad note taker. Like I really love organization, um, but I am very finicky about what I choose to use because it takes time, right? It takes time to learn these things. Uh, And so for a long time, kind of an ashamedly long time, uh, I've been using the notes app on the Mac and iOS because it syncs really easily. So yeah. I've just been, you know, since since iOS 11 introduced pinned notes, 
pretty much all of my long-term project organization has been inside pinned notes. And I just have a ton of pinned notes <laughs> same, that are like... Same here. I'm actually opening notes now. So I have, <laughs> um, let's see, I have about, three, well, I don't know, several hundred, several hundred notes now. Over 300, I think. Yeah. <sighs> and if I go to pinned, if I click through this, every single notebook has three or four pinned notes. I think I'm uh, I'm an over pinner. <laughs> but what what can you do? It's such a helpful thing. It's always at the top. You know where it is. I love it. Exactly. And it's it's very helpful again. And I'm I have been using notes to do things that notes is really not equipped to do. Like things that maybe I should have gotten into the omni suite of programs some time ago. But uh yeah. Going back to what I said originally, I'm there I'm pretty lazy about switching to new things, especially if I am already comfortable. So I was very stubborn for a long time. And then um agenda came out I think in January for the Mac and then the iOS app came out in April, I wanna say. Um I could be wrong about that. I don't have dates right in front of my head, but I think that's close enough. Let's let's just say close enough, uh, radio audience. Uh and I honestly, I had it like you, I had, I had it and I was, I had it downloaded and I didn't actually play with it until shortly before WWDC, uh, when, well, Agenda won an award for one thing. It won an Apple design award, which is pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, and we also had a chance to talk with the founders of Agenda on the I'm More show at the WWDC podcast room. And in in having them talk about the app and talk about sort of the use cases for the app and how the the founders kind of thought of thought it up and like crafted it, um, I'm like I'm listening to them talk and I'm like this sounds exactly like what I need, which is an app that is you know allows you to organize basically several notebooks worth of items um, that have kind of these little mini sub notes, which is. On the surface, it sounds similar to what Notes, you know, the Notes app does, but because you can tie it to calendar-based events, um, and specifically, it's not even just calendar-based events, you can just add arbitrary due dates, and those show up either at the all the way at the top or all the way at the bottom. Uh, I love it because instead of just having free-floating notes where, you know, I'll have, for instance, I have uh, four giant categories, four or five giant categories here. I have my work my work category in agenda. I have a roller derby uh, category in agenda. Um, uh, moving apartments <laughs> category in agenda. Work and like miscellaneous projects in agenda. And underneath those, each of them has a bunch of sub like subgroups. So they're called. Uh, when you add a new thing, uh, it's either called a category, like der- roller derby is a category, or a project. And inside those projects, those have grouped notes. So for instance, this is the thing that honestly really sold me on agenda. Um, you and I do a podcast together. That's awesome. Um, but also uh, I have, so I have like uh, projects for my podcasts, but I also have to do a weekly email wrap up for iMore where, you know, I basically go through, okay, here's everything that happened in the last week and, you know, traffic and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's basically the same exact email sent out every week with like some tweaks here and there. It's the same kind of categories. Um, and agenda will essentially let you make repeating notes so that you can copy and paste and have like a note that goes next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. So while I'm working, you know, I used to, you know, wait, 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 wait. And then Sunday night, I'd try and remember everything that we did that week, which was miserable. 
Um, and instead now with, with agenda and the way that I have it set up, I have a project inside my iMore or I have a, inside my iMore category, I have a project that's just the weekly report and it's a weekly and it's pre-tagged with the, with the date that it's due. And then it just has these empty categories. And as the week progresses, I just fill in the things that like, oh, this is what's happening. Here's all my to-do list for next week. Here are any embargoes or reviews or things, interesting things of note we're doing. Here's notes on staff, you know, like all of this. And then by the end of the week, I have it basically all almost all the way filled out. So what used to be a really like teeth pulling task for me now feels really easy because I've just been like slowly adding to it all week. Um, whereas before... I used to just have a sticky note in notes to do this, and then I'd just delete everything from the prior week and then try and fill it in in the last moment. But having a rolling, having this project just have a rolling locator of this weekly report has been really helpful because I can also, instead of having to, I wish I've done this before, go into mail and like search back six weeks to find out, oh, did we do this this week or this week? Now it's all an agenda and I just scroll down and I'm like, oh, eight weeks ago, or I just, you know, do search, right? I'll use the search function. Uh, when when did we prep for WWDC? Oh, we prepped it, you know, on uh, May 20th. And here's the, here's the sublink to the Trello board that we worked on. Um, so it's just like that kind of thing was a huge selling point for me. The fact that you can export it into a number of formats, including Markdown, is really nice. So like when you um, when you want to export or share the note, you can share it in HTML, you can share it in Markdown, you can share it in rich text, plain text, pretty much whatever you'd like you'd like it to. Um, and you can also add things like lists um, and like check marks. You can also you can pin certain notes to the top of individual projects, which is nice. Um, and you can also link things, so you can link notes within each other, um, which is really nice. So if you're like, oh, well, weekly report, I want this to, or I want something in the weekly report to link to this other project that I'm doing, or this other note within this other project that I am doing, I can just add that link. Um, and you can also add tags and people inside of it. So like if you do like at Renee, I actually have a search term now that has everything that says at Renee and I can see at a glance, this is all the stuff that Renee is doing. This is all the stuff that I'm doing. This is all the stuff that's tagged, you know, query or iOS 12 or watch OS 5, things like that. And I haven't used all of it, but like all of these like little individual features are really nice to use. But the, I think that the chief thing that I keep coming back to with agenda, besides the fact that like I really enjoy the organization factor, is the the time based note notation. I I think is really special because I'm one of those people that like my to do list wants to be time based, and then it gets away from me very quickly uh, based on you know there. If you if you want to do ten million things and you only have time for five every day. Uh, chances are the you know the other 9.9 million are just going to sit on your desktop and wither away, or in my case, they disappear into my notes folder uh, in in the notes app, right? Where it's like I scroll down when I have a free five you know free minute five months later, and I'm like, oh, here's an article about the top 10 worst Apple Watch apps that I wrote 90% of a year ago, and now I can't publish it because I wrote it a year ago and I forgot about it. 
<laughs> so what I appreciate about agenda is that because it's time-based and organized, it's very easy to see the things that like you actually have in your calendar and are actually you're working on versus the stuff that, you know, can get very easily lost and having like, I don't know, I just feel, I feel so much more organized, uh, thoughts wise with this, with this program and the fact that it syncs via iCloud and has a really great Mac app and a pretty solid iOS app too. It's like all of these things work really, really well in tandem together. Yeah. I used to run this, uh, run into this sort of issue in my previous career where I was a project manager because I would try, I would do this uh, in probably Evernote at the time, but I would have a note for like every client. And then every time we'd have a meeting, I'd make a new section of that note. But it got kind of hard over time to be like, oh, we talked about this three weeks ago. And I got to like kind of scan that and try to find it. Where like this idea of attaching a note to a, a date, I think is really fascinating from that angle of if you really need to build like breadcrumbs over time then you can do that in a way that's not cumbersome. You're not, you know, you're not trying to like insert dates as tags or like do all, you know, do anything real weird there, but you can just kind of build it as you go. And then the app sort of takes care of it. Is that, does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And, and you can link it to existing calendar events, which I really love. So for instance, like that, that weekly meet or the weekly report that I was mentioning, it's linked to the meeting that I have on Monday so that it always, like it always prompts, um, when you have certain events and things like that. And also it means that instead of having to manually set a date, you can literally go in and just hook it up to your calendar event and say, oh, this is attached to this meeting that I have on Friday. And so it automatically goes into the into my agenda for Friday, and then I can just add stuff to it until Friday, at which point, once it passes that time, then it just goes into your archive. That's really cool. Uh, is there any sharing features? Can I add a note and collaborate with somebody in this, or is it kind of a single-person deal? To my knowledge, it's single person. And this is the one place where I kind of run into a little bit of sadness because I could see so much use, like so much use case for a single person. You can send notes in PDF or Markdown or as agenda files to people via messages or email or airdrop or how, how you will. Um, but you can't live collaborate. Okay. And that's something I'm hoping to see them. I mean, it is a brand new app, right? And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we'll see them add collaboration in future in future updates because it, as an app, I feel like it screams for it. Like the, the whole design of it feels like it was built with collaboration in mind, especially with the tagging system mm-hmm. and the, the people system. Like I just, I suspect they just haven't gotten, you know, there's a, a little bit, little bit to do between building a Mac app and an iOS app in a year. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Notes just added sharing, you know, relatively recently. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I use it in Notes some. So I, most of my collaboration happens in Google Docs because most of my collaboration is like show prep. So like, you know, we have an outline for this Same. show we're going through and that's all in Google Docs. I could do that in Apple Notes, but we just, we've used Google Docs for a long time for that stuff and it works really well. But I do have some collaboration with Notes. My wife and I are getting ready to go on vacation. So we have a note with our flight information, a note with the Airbnb. It's like we can both see them. We can both add to them. But, it's you know, it's real basic. Um, and for me, notes is uh, totally meeting my needs there because it's not that – I have a lot of notes, but um, 
None of them are too complicated. I, I really use notes because I can attach images and PDFs to things. I would use plain text otherwise in something like NVAlt um, on the Mac. But uh, it's nice to have, you know, uh, hey, just here are some reminders when you edit the show. Here's some screenshots of some settings. Or like with this flight, these flights, right? Like I can have that in text, but then I can have a PDF mm-hmm. of our boarding passes or our flight number, like mixing and matching and that sort of stuff is really useful for me. And I've been really happy with notes. Cause like you said, the sync is really solid. Um, but you know, it's funny notes got good. And then all of a sudden there was this explosion of third party apps. You have this, you have bear, which a lot of people <laughs> I know really like. Bear is great too. Yeah. Yeah. This is the interest. So an interesting thing on that, on that is I feel like there are a bunch of these, a bunch of really solid third-party note-taking applications, and I I feel like Agenda is really more about an organizational note-taking app, whereas I like think something like Bear, which I love. I look at more as a writing, like like Ulysses, right? Where I use it more as a writing app than a to-do list, which is maybe not what everybody uses it for, but I, I do feel like this division is happening where we're acknowledging that like sometimes you just want to throw snippets of things into folders and have them make sense. And mm-hmm. then other times you want an app that like can handle your text, but maybe is not <laughs> a full word processor. Sure. And I think that's a, probably a pretty fair assessment of agenda is that it, it is sort of selling you on its way of thinking, right? Like, buy into our system and look what the system can do for you or something like notes or probably even bear. I I don't use bear because I I hate tagging. (laughs) I want folders, but um, (laughs) even something like bear is like way more flexible than, or like, that's probably the wrong way to say it. It has less of a worldview than agenda does. And uh, from from the the looks of it. Yeah, absolutely. Is that fair? That's absolutely fair. Cool. Well, I'm glad you found something you like notes apps, like one of those things it's like I feel like every couple years you got to copy and paste all your notes around to try something new. Uh, maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. It's me with like note taker, note apps, and uh, note apps and to do managers. You know, it's like he's got to oh, change it up every couple years. But yeah, to do managers are still the that's still the thing that I'm completely lost on. I'm I'm sort of using Agenda for that as is. Uh, just as a, a list because I still hate to do managers. Yeah. They still make me cry. There's lots of options out there. Uh, and it can be hard to find something, something you like. Uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad people with notes have gotten, um, more options. You know, for a long time it was like, well, you use Evernote and if you don't like Evernote kind of too bad, but it's, it's good to see some competition and some other apps because not everybody works the same way. Um, I don't think I work the way that fits agenda, but it sounds like it's perfect for the way you want to work. And that, that's, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what having this big app ecosystem is good for, that we don't all have to think the same way uh, and we can find apps that sort of fit what we want to do. Yeah, I agree. Very cool. Uh, well, let me uh, tell you about our second sponsor, and then we'll get on to the speed run. This episode of Query is also brought to you by Pingdom. Pingdom is awesome because they help keep your sites and the sites you love online. Pingdom monitors your site so you don't have to, and they give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. Like We can just be honest, stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Each month, this number blows my mind, each month Pingdom detects 13 million outages. That's 400,000 outages every day. And if you're one of them, Pingdom will alert you. So regardless of whether you have a small website, you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor its availability and performance. You really don't want your site to be down and not know about it until someone sends you a tweet. Like that 
There's nothing worse. Uh, and that's why you need Pingdom. It's so easy to get started. All they need is your URL and uh, that you want to monitor, and they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code QUERY at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, speed run time. Choo-choo! The <laughs> train? What, you, were, you weren't expecting the train? I was not. It's, uh, I kind of like it. Um, uh, the first one is from someone on Twitter named Calamity Jan, which is quite the username. Hi, Jan. Uh, Jan asks, what... I think that's a derby person. You think so? Yeah. What is the best way to convert live photos on iOS into video or GIF? Ooh, well, as you know, the Photos app does have a pseudo GIF option. If you sort of swipe up, it has that. But we're going to skip that because I I honestly feel like that is not the best way because it's really hard to share it unless you're sharing it with messages. Instead, I'm going to recommend an app called Lively, which I've been using for a couple years at this point since Live Photos came out with the 6S and 6S Plus, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Lively um, takes your photos, um, and specifically your live photos, and has an instant gififier. Um, and it also, what I also really like about it is that it has. Um, uh, you can also like pick different key photos if you want to export uh, and duplicate, as opposed to just picking a new key photo in your photos library. Uh, you can make short videos again. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I find it really awesome. Steven, do you have a, a recommendation on that front? Uh, I actually haven't really looked into this much. Um, I've, I did it a little bit when, uh, live photos first came out and I still take live photos for everything. I have it on by default, especially with kids and stuff and like pets. It's great to have those extra frames, uh, because, you know, someone's going to move around or you just get a little bit of energy into it. But I don't know the last time I took one of those and turned it into a GIF. So actually, I was actually looking through my phone before we started this. I don't even have an app that does this installed. So I'm going to check out uh, your recommendation <laughs> and try to get maybe get back into this. Yeah, you should. Um, the one thing I'll say about Lively is it hasn't been updated in a few months. It was updated, I think, for the iPhone 10. But I'm I'm hopeful that they'll continue to update it. I mean, it has a 4.7 review on on the app store and and they generally i feel like they're generally quiet right before ios updates and then drop some drop some cheddar yeah yeah i, mean, I, I think, don't even I know think what that phrase was i'm sorry already <laughs> <laughs> i think that's fair this time of year developers are busy doing uh you know updates for the next version uh, whether that's compatibility or just new features and so i tend not to worry about like gaps between releases and my favorite apps during the summer because i know devs are busy and they're Hopefully, making new awesome stuff to make their apps even better for the the coming year. Hmm. I agree. So, next question for you, Stephen. Jim asks: Is there a way to filter pictures in my photos library to see images taken with a specific camera? There is. It's our old friend, the Smart Album. Uh, smart albums and <gasps> the photos. Smart album. They're so good. They can do so many things. So you can actually go and create a Smart Album, and there'll be a, there'll be a link in the show notes to a screenshot of what I did. Uh, one of the conditions you can set is camera model, and then it lists every camera model Photos knows about. So in my photo library, there's like two dozen cameras, right? Because you get pictures from in-laws and off the internet and like all sorts of places. And so you can select 
the camera model. And I actually kind of had like this little moment of like rediscovery in my photos library today. The screenshot, I did this for my iPhone 3GS. And so I could see all the photos I took with that phone. So all of a sudden, like my kids were really little again. And, uh, you know, we lived in a different house and like it was crazy. Uh, So this is also kind of a fun way to like go down memory lane. And so now I have a smart album that I saved that I can go in here and change, you know, what camera I want to see. So uh, smart albums are awesome in photos. You can do so many things, including camera models. So I think this will get you what you want. Yeah. um, The one sadness that I have to caveat here is that smart albums still don't exist on the iPhone. And it makes me makes me so mad. How how hard would it be, Stephen, to just have a safe search button like Actually, it'd be very hard. I'm 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 unfairly ragging on the photos team because I think their new search features in iOS 12 are excellent. I just wish there was a way to save them. It'd be it'd be great. Um, or even open it up to something like shortcuts, right? So I could create a work. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, a shortcut. I'm gonna say I'm just gonna say workload for like the next like 10 years. Uh, but you know, give yeah, me maybe fine. put it there if you don't want it in the. It would be cool because SF is Mac only. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's really powerful stuff, and you can really dial it in to exactly what you want. All right, so we've got one more. Uh, it's actually uh, on theme for photos. Amanda wants to know what's up with the For You tab in iOS 12 Photos. For You is actually really interesting. Uh, it kind of combines Apple's activity, like old activity and activity sharing tabs from iOS 11, um, with more of the machine learning stuff and the search uh, capabilities that Apple started to introduce with the differential privacy related searching features in iOS 11. Uh, so when you open up for you uh, in iOS 12 or you open up the photos app in iOS 12, you'll get this new for you tab kind of wedged in between photos and albums. And it's where all of your sharing and uh, traditional iCloud shared photo albums show up, but in a, as as well as your memories, which used to in iOS 11, of course, have their own separate tab at the bottom of the screen. Now they're part of the For You tab, um, and instead of just being random memories, they're really tailored to recent memories as well as people, uh, certain places. Like I'm looking at mine now, I've got. Uh, a memory allocation in big and bold from the trip to St. Louis that I just took last weekend. I've also got pictures of my mother from last year, uh, my friend's birthday from earlier this month, Father's Day this year, uh, and then an on this day from 2016 when I went to go see the uh, Rock Cats, which was great. Um, so you've got like your memories. It's fairly they're they're very similar to what you got in iOS 11. But in addition to this, you've got some new stuff like sharing suggestions, which now when you take photos, instead of having to go through and, you know, weed out all of your photos and manually invite people, um, photos will start to learn. Again, this, it does this on device um, and uses, I think, differential privacy and encryption and all this fun stuff um, to figure out, um, oh, hey, you've tagged, for instance, You've, you have a, a face of your husband in your photo library, and I noticed that these pictures you took in St. Louis um, also have your husband in them. Would you like to share photos of where you and he were in the same location for the next, for the, you know, for those, that duration of time? So for instance, this one is St. Louis Saturday to Sunday, and it's like share with Richard. Um, 
I've got a section of photos from hanging out with Renee where it's like, share with Renee Ritchie. Um, and, uh, and I've got pictures of me and with my friends, uh, last weekend for our derby tournament that's like share with my friend Alicia and my friend Claudia. Um, so it really, it allows you to either share with singular, singular people or multiple groups of people. If it recognizes a, that they're in the pictures too, and B, you guys were all basically at a location together. So if there's like one picture of my husband in this trip to St. Louis, it's still going to recommend all of the quote unquote good pictures from that trip um, because it recognizes, oh, hey, your husband was in that photo. Therefore, there's a good chance that he was there and he might want all of these pictures. Yeah. I think that's just really cool because right now photo sharing is such a, a manual thing. So uh, we were both on this like huge iCloud shared <laughs> photo stream thing at WBDC with like 25 people and it's really oh, yeah. it's really nice but you have to like remember to add things to it and remember to go check it and it's all manual in the old system and so this is applying some intelligence to it and like yeah like you said hey you were both here at this thing do you want to share photos with them and then it prompts them to share back and I think that's really cool because a I don't think many people know know about all those features of sharing right I think a lot of people just end up no texting a bunch of photos to each other but having it um try to figure out what you want to do and making it really easy with just a couple of taps i think it will i think many more people will be sharing photos this way and uh, you know my wife and i run into this where like if we go on a trip or whatever then i sort of like take both our laptops and like move photos around because i want the full res copies and i really want to like select exactly what i want and there will always be people who do it that way but I think the majority of people just want something easy on their phones directly. And I think this is going to mm-hmm. really make that a lot easier. Yeah, I completely agree. And then there all there's also like, I haven't seen a whole bunch of this yet in the betas, but I imagine we'll see more as we get closer to release. There's also these featured and suggested sections below the sharing, which actually will try and highlight recent photos that the, the ML algorithm thinks are pretty great, uh, as well as... Uh, of photos that they're like, this would look much better if you put it into black and white or added a certain portrait effect to it. Uh, and right now, those featured photos are two selfies. And my effect suggestion is a portrait photo that uh, that wanted me to put studio light on it. And I'm like, these these maybe aren't perfect. <laughs> like, there's there's still probably some kinks to be worked out. But it's still, it's cool that it's showing like, oh, these featured photos are from your recent faces album. And this is from, this is a photo that you recently edited. So maybe you want to look at it. Um, And it's just, I don't know, anything that surfaces photos in a way where you don't have to manually go digging for that, I think is really, like you said, it's really important because we, we spend enough time, like we take so many photos. We take so many photos. My photo library right now has 65,000 photos, 6,600 videos, and three items. I don't know what the items means, but 65,000 <laughs> photos. Like, I'm not ever going to look through 65,000 photos yeah. at one time. Like, it's it's you've impossible. Got, you get me beat. I'm at 38,000. So you're, you're way ahead of me. Well, I imagine half of those are screenshots. You can do a smart album and get rid of those. It's really great. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, 10. All right, excuse me. 10,000 are screenshots, 12,000 are live photos, and 6,500 portrait photos. Wow. I'm actually pretty impressed. That's a yeah. bunch of stuff. Thir- 1,300 slow-mo videos. That's too many slow-mo videos. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, you have pseudo smart albums in the smart in the albums tab in yeah. iOS 12 because it'll show you your media types and then it'll give you quick counts. 3,100 selfies. That's too many selfies. That's 
Wow. A lot of pictures of yourself. I'll, I'll let you go think on that while I wrap up the show. <laughs> okay. If, uh, if you want to submit questions, uh, please tweet with the hashtag AskQuery and we'll see it. You can find show notes on the web at relay.fm slash query slash 34. You can get in touch with us there or you can get us on Twitter. You can find Serenity at Setterin, S-E-T-T-E-R-N. And find her writing at imore.com. I'm ISMH on Twitter and write 512pixels.net. Until next time, Serenity, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.